Mac Football Pod. Caleb, you've relocated from state to state, but you're still in the Mac blueprint. Where are you at right now? I am in the lovely confines of Jamestown, Ohio, um, mm-hmm. my parents' house. Um, which like which region of Ohio is that? Southwest. It is uh, like between Cincinnati and Columbus, and it is closer to Dayton than those other two cities. Okay. Got it, got it. Uh, you're back home. You're in your race car bed that you grew up in. Oh, of course. Uh, I can see the little stuffed teddy bear behind you. My parents have done a lovely job with the redecoration. Uh, do you think that... I don't know. I don't know, man. If you were like a college athlete and you were like trying to get into like the NIL business... Is Build-A-Bear a good spot for you? Like, would you want to, like, try to get, like, you know, little lines of clothing for, like, little bears? And, like, it doesn't matter if, you know, uh, your classmates want to buy your hoodies as long as some little kid building a bear thinks that it looks cute on their little stuffed bear would be a good idea for you. See, the smart thing to do would be to be make the bears fully customizable for the most popular figures in college football um, or the sport that you're in. Not oh, do they have a little cute little like little, uh, you know, Baylor coat or something like? Nah, man. Like you want to have like dreads and shit and like a really cool hat, like the Pistol Pete hat uh, for Oklahoma State and a Mike Gundy mullet <laughs> for your Builder Bear um, and uh, other I don't know some other recognizable thing. Who else has got a, a cool look going on right now? Um, I'm blanking. If you gave me some time, I'd just a helmet. Gives them the Ed Orgeron voice, like customizable voice. Oh, it sounds no. like it just says "Go Tigers." Yeah, but like all that's like not, none of those are helping out the kids. though. like I'm trying to look out for like if I'm a if I'm a student, you know, and I'm playing are you? college sports. That's, yeah, Don't that's I? what the nil that's what the nil business is about is looking for the kids. I mean, how do I help? How do I help these kids? <laughs> if we can hope, if we can try to keep it that way, sure. I don't know. I got nothing for you. Just trying to help the kids out. I got nothing on the Build-A-Bear front. That's why Ma- I don't do that and oh. I just do this, a do mascot this podcast head. with you. A mascot head for your Build-A-Bear, Lee Corso style. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Baylor Baylor, the Build-A-Bear chooses the Brutus Buckeye, Ohio State Buckeyes. Buckeyes by 40. <laughs> Not so fast. Wave to the girl. Not so fast, my friend. Yeah, exactly. Caleb, what is this time of year? It's December... So it's kind of slower on the MAC front, like after, like the MAC championships, the peak of the season, right? Because everything kind of leads up to that, and like even though December gets busy as hell with, you know, the coaching carousel, transfers, signing day, you know, we're gonna go over, you know, some of those things. It's still kind of slower, and the fact that everyone's just kind of getting ready for the holidays and they're just kind of breezing on through bowl games at their own pace, right? I mean, yeah. Um, I will say, like, inevitably what happens every year with the bowl games is, like, they start playing, being played. Everybody's like, wait, they're happening already? What? what? Yeah. That was, but, I was, but I was too busy doing other things. Well, why are these happening already? And then you settle in a few days, and the next thing you know, you're sitting on the couch with, like, your third thing of, you know, Jack Daniels and I, on ice, and you're just watching Middle Tennessee State versus, I don't know. Uh, yeah, and depending, Toledo, and depending who you are, <laughs> sure. like, you're probably, like, into basketball mode. So that might be a factor yeah. for some of you. Which, for me, yes. Yeah, um, absolutely. For which, you. which just reminded me, I have to do. I have to 
do the big pick them, but I've, I always do too much on Sundays. I never take like a full relaxing day on Sundays. Like I'll, I might record a podcast with somebody. Hmm. Uh, this is actually a second podcast I've recorded today. Um, I might do, I have to do my pick them usually early on Sundays uh, for the league that I conduct. Uh, and I have to do a top performers basketball article that really should get done today. So I don't have to worry about doing it the next few days. Oh my goodness. Uh, Caleb, so, you should pick yourself as a top performer. I am just, top just for the Sunday, just for Sunday. While everyone Sunday's else top. is getting like you know rehabilitated, muscle wise, physically, mentally, for all the sports that you're, they're playing, you're the one that's still working hard for the ninth day of the week on a Sunday, doing double time, wearing multiple hats, and yes. doing it with writing and doing it with your voice. Sunday the is hat. the reason why you are my weekly MVP. Thanks. Means a lot. I'd like to thank no one in particular. <laughs> J School scripts. Oh, F that. <laughs> <laughs> As I wear my Ohio University shirt. Hey, uh, we can talk about the shirts that you're wearing later, but let's talk about one of the hats that you have to wear right now, which is the Mac hat. Uh, bowl games, we'll kind of go into that first, and then we'll kind of talk about signing day. I don't really want to talk about signing day in terms of like, oh, was this a good class? Was this a bad class? Because honest to God, I don't give a shit about examining things that way. I've tried it before. It's stupid, and it doesn't make sense, and no one's perfected it. And these days, it's not about that. It's about how the rosters are built. So I kind of want to get into a little bit of that and kind of, like, grid things out and kind of lay things out that way. But outside of, like, are they good or bad, like, we'll let you know in three years. Sure. Uh, Caleb. The Mac is 0-3 in bowl games. Uh, what have you seen? Uh, what do you, Which one do you want to start with? Do you want to start with Middle Tennessee losing or over Toledo? Do you want to start with Coastal over NIU? Or do you want to start with uh, yeah, that Liberty pooper? <laughs> Let's start with Eastern and Liberty. What a pooper. That game sucked. I didn't watch a second. You didn't have to. There wasn't a lot going on. 56-20. Uh, just just wasn't good. It just wasn't good. Malik Willis had like five touchdowns, three throwing, two rushing. Eastern people like that guy. Yeah, Eastern secondary, that that was just torn apart easy early and often. Uh and there was just there was just no going back. Once Liberty had like, had an early uh distance on the scoreboard and on the field, there was just no going back. Yeah, it's uh was it was it you who tweeted about like Eastern can never win eight games and win a bowl game? Uh, I don't think it was me. Somebody did that. Maybe it was a hustle bell, or I don't know. Somebody was just like, it's just it's it never gets old. Like the Eastern can just is always in the same spot where they might overperform but won't win eight games and they won't win their bowl game. <laughs> right. Wow. It's true though. Uh, the second one, God, because. You know, the bowl games, like I said, they just kind of suck. This one was a little bit closer on the scoreboard, but on the field, not so much, especially since Middle Tennessee put up 17 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, 31 to 24 over Toledo in the Bahamas. Hey, Middle Tennessee, hey, if, if, maybe Middle Tennessee joining the MAC really wouldn't, really would improve the, uh, the football quality in this conference just from Middle Tennessee alone. Ignore Middle, you know, Western Kentucky, who. Their quarterback had like the most passing yards in a single season this past year. God, that's that was so freaking good. Um, mind that, Middle Tennessee, you should be in the MAC. <laughs> Toledo, 
Toledo, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, why is Toledo so bad? I know we've been wondering because this for so long, Toledo. but God, that's so bad. You shouldn't be losing to Middle Tennessee. Because Toledo. Okay, fuck Middle Tennessee. Um, first of all, for not for preventing us from having Western Kentucky in the Mac. Um, they are now my forever hated team. I don't know anything about them. The fuck you get. Um, but they did do to Toledo what Toledo deserved, and that's Toledo getting beat <laughs> because they're Toledo. <laughs> um, somebody was commenting uh, on Twitter about like Toledo always has really good back and it's Kobach, and it's like why don't they give the ball to Kobach more? It's like that's a very good question. And 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 you might look, you might sound, you might look at me and be like, dude, they give the ball to Kobach like twenty times a game, and he has like eight catches a game. Like, what are you talking about? Like, but just more <laughs> just yeah just Lou Nichols gets than, it 45 times a game just more than you throw the ball because it's not it consistently doesn't work Toledo's like let's create let's get the best athletes at the skill position players in the in the conference like the most talented and speed and stuff and then let's throw short routes all game for no reason <laughs> I don't understand that damn team I will never understand that team I 90% of the time we spend talking about Toledo on this podcast is they're so talented why do they suck haha Toledo sucks and they are, and they're always winning. Like it just, never, uh, I just we have the same discussion about Toledo every time. It really is getting very annoying how we talk about them because there has been no change over at Toledo, and they have like a bunch of administrative bullshit that they have to deal with on their end. Like, you know, they had uh, just complication. I don't, I don't really want to get into it, but like just complications about like. Uh, backstabbing this, that, and the other with like uh, new board members at the board of trustees, getting out an old a- athletic director that's been there for like twenty something years, um, and he was gonna like offer extensions to people that weren't exactly getting all the wins done, you know, in ba- in men's basketball and on the football front. You know, there's a lot of changes that want to be changed, you know, at Toledo, but like all the people that like are in place to make those changes don't all agree on everything right now. And a lot of the people that want better for Toledo are and they're getting tired of these like six and six and seven and six and five and seven seasons out of Jason Candle. You know, those people want him out. Those people want better for football. But for other reasons, we're still stuck in this stupid muck. And for a lot of dumb reasons that we don't see on the field, Toledo's stuck in the mud right now. And it's getting really annoying. Like for people like you and I who don't have any ties to Toledo that don't root for Toledo. We just want them to be better because you're like, okay, you have all this talent. Just please do something with it. Like we're poking you with the stick. Come on, do something. Come on, Toledo, do something. You know what we can't poke a stick with was the uh, the situation at the end of the Cure Bowl between NIU what and a, Coastal Carolina. What a terrible, terrible transition. Oh, come on, you didn't like that. <laughs> you didn't like that. Terrible. Come on. Ah. But you can't do anything about that. And that's what John Steinbrecher said in his statement. Come on. That was a good that was a good transition. No. Give it to me. That was some word. Give me the right fucking there. trophy. The concept was fine. The execution was ter- terrible. Speaking of terrible execution, Caleb, uh, talk about it. <laughs> a little better, I guess. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, so what? Lamarty throws it. Who, who's he throws it to there? Cole Tucker there at the end, and uh, somebody's falling out of bounds with the catch. And I didn't watch the game. I watched the highlights again. 
uh, my parents got rid of their ESPN so we couldn't watch. God, that's <laughs> um, so bad. It, I know. And uh, that's mostly what I wanted you to say. Like, I knew that that fact existed and I knew you couldn't watch it in real time. So I wanted you to admit that your parents left you in the dust and you didn't realize man, that until got, I'm doing, I'm doing so many things, man. I don't need to watch my Mac football. JK, I just got off a podcast where I talked about how much I love Mac sports. Uh, and you know, for the clock winding off this, I guess earlier in the first half at the, or at the end of the first half, there was another situation where coastal got more time and was able to kick a field goal. They shouldn't have been able to kick. And then, you know, at the end of the game, they, uh, they make the catch with what, like three seconds left and are out of bounds. And there was a question of whether he dropped it or whether he caught it. And they didn't review that. Instead, they sped it up, went to the line. Referee puts the ball down. And before, I don't know if they wound, like if an official wound his hand to start the clock or not. I assume that he had to have. Otherwise, the clock wouldn't have started. But the whistle didn't blow, which means you can't start the clock. So the official's just standing there in between the ball and Lombardi. So they can't snap it. And... The clock runs off. Like NIU was prepared. They got everybody to the line. They were they would have been able to spike it. It's not, I mean, you can't you can't say the loss was the official's fault, but you can completely say that it's the official's fault that NIU didn't did not get one more shot at the end zone. Yeah, the way the way the game ended was the ref's fault. Like if was if there was anything standing in the way of the football being played and the like the time going off. It quite literally was the ref standing over the ball while the clock should have been stopped at that two-second mark. Um, two-second mark, three-second mark, doesn't matter. You know, non-zero seconds left on the clock when it should have been stopped. So let's back it up a little bit. And I use driving pretty fucking far without any timeouts on this possession. And they're going for like five-yard gain, five-yard gain, five-yard gain. You know, the guys in the broadcast booth are like, what the fuck is going on? Why are they only going for that? They didn't say fuck. But they're like, what's going on? Why aren't they throwing it deep? Why aren't they throwing it deep? Coastal Carolina, number one cornerback, just went down. You know, this this would be a good time to get Trayvon Rudolph, who's been pretty quiet, get him a little bit more involved in the game, right? And so, whatever, they're not really doing that. They're kind of hitting out routes to Joyner. They're kind of getting things over the middle uh, with him, too, with Ducker, uh, and with some other, with other pieces, too. Cole Tucker had a nice grab. There was one throw to Messiah Travis to the left side with about like 27 seconds left, and they picked up a first down. No, they didn't pick up a first down. They were just short of the first down. Uh, but he went down kind of awkwardly and was a little bit hurt. And so he tried to, he wanted to play through it, but he was clearly hurt. And so he got up and was like limping around pretty bad. Lombardi told him to get down because you're clearly hurt. Like, get down, let's stop the clock. But they were out of timeouts. So since they were out of timeouts, they had to do an automatic 10-second runoff. And that's pretty important at this point, honestly. So there's a 10-second runoff to take things off from 27 seconds left to 17 seconds left. They're like, I think they're in the red zone at this point. If not, they're like just outside of it. Uh, Anyways, they drive their way in. They're very close to it. Marcus Joyner, he gets a catch. Like going to the sideline, they're like at like the three yard line, at the two yard line, something like that. Uh, it whether you think it was or wasn't a catch because he went down, the ball kind of came out afterwards, like yeah. after he oh, went down. Oh, was it Joiner? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like whether you think it was or wasn't a catch, like the refs like waved his hands over his head, spotted yeah. it right there, 
And for whatever reason, after he did that, he still said, like, keep the clock going, which is, like, doesn't make sense. Like, because they picked up the first down, there has to be, like, a clock stop until, yeah, you know, everyone resets so the, and the, the ref gets so the that ball, going. Yeah. The ball has to be spotted. Yeah. And so the ref stood over it, but then they stopped the clock for, like, it seemed like a minute, like a second, but then they let the two seconds to go because the guy's hand was going. The guy's yeah. hand was in motion. And no one challenged it in real time. And that was the game. I, I, I guess I just don't know why they couldn't have, why that wasn't reviewable. Like, that, was there, yeah, was that, there an explanation of why that wasn't reviewable? Because I never saw anything about that. No, there was just, like, too many, like, oh, good game, good game between, like, the two schools going on at that point. Like, that part happened way too soon. I don't think, like, the players protested good enough. I think the players should have protested, like, harder immediately, you know, for that to happen. I think there's probably a very good chance that nothing could have been done, that it was just, you know, the fifth official had gotten out of the way, they could have snapped the ball, but, like, the official's just kind of part of the game. But it's like, it's almost like you could acknowledge that it was the official's fault, but they couldn't reverse anything. Because what are you going to do is tell the official he shouldn't have been there? Like, yeah, we already know he shouldn't have been there, but sometimes the official just is there. Mm-hmm. And they were, and they made a mistake. Like if you, if you're in a, uh, this is a bigger mistake than if you're an official who accidentally tackles a player, <laughs> you're just part of the game. You're part of the playing field. This is bigger because like your entire job is to be an observer and you directly got in the way of the play figuring out, but it's like, it's just a mental fuck up. Like the dude, obviously like whoever wound the clock and the official who just stood behind uh center like it was just a fuck up it was like it was just a big mental dope so i don't know if you're going to be able to reverse it however it seems like something where you should have been able to review whether the clock was supposed to wind because the clock is reviewable yeah like i i would assume that there are enough smart people in the building that know better that can point that out and be like hey hey hey, whoa whoa, whoa. let's fix this like right now you know because that's it just doesn't seem right like we haven't seen that before and, like, so the next day uh, after that, the MAC put out the statement at the end of last night's NIU Coastal Carolina football game in Orlando, a series of errors by the on-field officials and the replay official denied NIU the opportunity to run one more play. Following the reception along the sideline, the play should have been stopped for a review. Also, the clock was not managed appropriately on what should have been the final play of the center judge should have been allowed to clear the center before the referee wound the clock. This should not have occurred, and the egregious errors around the potential game-changing situation is both unfortunate and unacceptable. Congrats to the student-athletes and the coaches of uh, NIU and Coastal Carolina for tremendous seasons and a hard-fought football game. So, nothing we can do about it. We can't, like, challenge it. We can't make people go back to the football side, unfortunately. That'd be really cool, but no, can't put two seconds back on the clock. And this is coming from a conference that, honestly, I do think, like, takes officiating pretty seriously um their image is kind of helped out pretty recently by like the athletics nicole auerbach who had a a pretty nice feature story on the officiating crew from the ball state central michigan football game this past year about how they take things seriously you know how they look out for things pre-game how they accept things in real time how they get immediate foot you know immediate feedback right after the game uh, blah 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 blah. That's a good story. The Mac also, if you remember, 
year was it? I think it was like 2014 or 2015, something along that, something along those lines. It was a game that I was at. It was a basketball game. Do you know what I'm talking about? See, you you've got to be talking about Ball State Eastern, right? I'm talking about Ball State Eastern. Yep. Yeah. 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 I uh, the dumbest end game scenario I've ever seen. Yeah. So, I don't really want to get into it. It will make my blood boil if I talk about it one more time. And I. <laughs> So we should link it in the description of the podcast. We might, yeah. I might actually find it. I do have it like hidden in one of like a bookmarks folder of a folder of a folder. But I do have that tweet saved of the video. And it's super, super stupid. Anyways, after a very terrible thing that their own referees have done, they said you're suspended and not allowed to participate in postseason play as a referee, as an official, which is like something you work very, very hard for. Yeah. Um yeah, so I think, you know, the MAC isn't like the end-all, be-all. It's not the greatest conference in the world. It's not like, you know, its referees aren't per- like, its referees aren't perfect by any stretch. But I do think that this is, you know, an important message that the MAC had to address, especially since it regarded its its conference champion that was denied an opportunity to pull off one hell, one hell of a bookmark to end the year. You know, that would have been a fucking statement to beat a 10-win team like Coastal Carolina. Yeah. But no, and they were denied an opportunity at the goal line because of officiating. And look, like, at the end of it all, you're looking at this and it's like, guess what? NIU did not stink up the joint. Like, they didn't get to the bowl game like they did in the Carriers and just lay an egg. And even if, yeah. like, NIU looked very beatable in almost every game they played this year. Um, but the difference between this team and years past is they don't lose the games that they're supposed to win. Um, and you know what? They probably weren't supposed to beat Coastal. Coastal had accumulated more talent and was more established in, mm-hmm. the, year, in the last couple of years. And NIU still almost found a way to beat them, even though the defense struggled for a large part of the game. So um, you're looking at an NIU team that, you know, they're coming off a MAC championship. They feel good about themselves. They have no reason to think they should lose. Um, very early in the year, they lost – prospectively their best defensive player in Devin Lafayette. And then they, you, you make uh, CJ Brown, like one of the best, one, best defenders in the match. Um, you're playing with um, like a six year linebacker and a converted safety into a linebacker at linebacker. You've got a bunch of freshmen on the defensive line. Your first string running back went down. Um, your best wide receiver went down halfway to the season. You're playing with all those guys and you're playing with an established 10 win coastal Carolina program that was every bit a worthy ranked team. And NIU showed that they should have the ability to compete and maybe win one of those games. There's really nothing all that disappointed about NIU's performance. Like, yes, they struggled defensively, but they did everything they were supposed to do in, in that situation. What's And now you look at that and you're like, okay, that is the expectation now. They got there. They won the championship in the week, in the week league and whatever. Um, and then they got to their bowl game and they competed against one of the best G5 teams in the country. And they very much looked like they could win. They were winning late. So they deserve to be here. The expectation going forward every year is going to be that NIU competes to win the MAC West. Never should they not, unless things are completely down for some reason, but by some factor they probably could hardly control. And they should be in a in a legitimately good bowl game in a position to win every time. Like NIU has switched their circumstances so rapidly, it gives you freaking whiplash. Imagine like this does get changed in real time. How are we talking about NIU? You know. 
it gets changed up in real time. Oh yeah, we screwed up. Sorry about that. We got two seconds left on the clock. Let's go. Let's get it right now. And IU pulls it out. You know, play action pass. They swing it back to Clint Rakovich. He scores a you know, fucking career ass touchdown. You know, uh, uh, John Richardson nails the PAT. They win by one point. It is one hell of a finish for NIU. How are we talking about, you know, the Huskies for the next, you know, eight months, you know, leading up to the year? And not just me and you, but like the whole nation, not just the whole nation, but the people that are involved in what are we all playing for? You know, not just the MAC championship, but the playoff. How are we talking about NIU in the playoff discussion? Maybe not in 2022. They still got a, a lot of things to go right. But that brand has a large improvement over, you know, the next eight months. That's very, very necessary for them to gain. And that I will say, that's I will say that other people's perceptions of the Mac would change. You are correct in kind of coming up with that. Like, how much would people be talking about them? How much excitement would there be around the program if that result changes? Just you know, flips the other way. Um, For me, I'm like. NIU is riding every bit of momentum. I don't think the win or a loss really makes that much of a difference, frankly. Like in the, in the national perspective, like how people look at NIU, yes, I think you're absolutely right. For me, I'm like, look, NIU's got all the momentum in the world. They were playing without several of their best players all year and won the conference championship after going winless. There is zero reason they should not be the favorite for the next five years. But you yeah, and I just, know that. You and I yeah, know that because I know, we're, I know. So, we're so I know. here. But that's why I'm saying mm-hmm. my perspective, win or loss against Coastal, the way they played, it could have gone either way and it doesn't matter to me. They are freaking legit. And they would just have to take a massive dip at like the court, like maybe the quarterback play doesn't shape out and they just can't play offensively, whatever. Maybe the defense never gets better and they're just like, they kind of like hover instead of establishing themselves. But I don't think I can look at NIU in terms of the playoff picture because NIU would legitimately need to go undefeated to several years in a row in the regular season to ever have a chance. And I don't think NIU is going to be built to do that under Hammond because I think they're going to keep challenging themselves in the non-conference. And I think that they're going to fit their pieces here and there and figure out what works for them and play a style of ball that isn't always where what we're better than you in every mm-hmm. respect. It's not really who they're going to be built to be. They're going to be built to win. They're going to be built to enforce their style of ball of like what they did in that last drive, like through the air. Like they can throw the ball down the yard, eight yards, six yards, four yards. They can run the ball down the field, three yards, eight yards, four yards, five yards, twelve yards, six yards. And uh, defensively, they will make plays kind of when it matters, but they won't ever be dominant. Like that's got to change if they're going to ever find themselves at the upper echelon again of G5 like powerhouse football programs or like the top notch football program. So um, the result doesn't change much for me in terms of where I see NIU football, because they're legitimately one of the best G5 teams in the country again, mm-hmm. if only because they win the games they're supposed to win. So, and some of the games they aren't supposed to win supposedly, I don't know, but uh, look like other, t- other people will come around if, they watch NIU for another few years and they play like this because playing close games every week and always winning is a fucking exciting brand of football. Mm-hmm. Really something to look forward to, even as an outside observer. Oh, so yeah. if they keep doing what they're doing now, then yeah, people are going to love it to watch Mac football. They're going to, I mean, you're going to find an even, even more of an audience 
of uh, casual observers who will start watching, I would think. Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, uh, we kind of like let's hit, let's hit the rewind on this. Let's let's go back ten years when we we're joining Hustle Bell, Caleb. Hey, why do you love the Mid American Conference? Oh, because they have a lot of scrappy players that come from you know the Rust Belt areas. Blah blah. And they throw some sixty yard touchdown passes. And hey, man, this NIU team is making us like everything that like we came into covering the MAC, giving a shit about the MAC, you know, as much as we do. Like the the way this game ended does not invalidate the way that they've played all year all game anything like that we are so proud of niu and everything that goes along with that right um i just do want to keep hammering home the the point that like this shouldn't have been taken away the mac is right and should be like continue they they should continue to be angry about this because i would hate to see you know like this is a once in a lifetime team for the mac to put on you know toledo you know if toledo would have done this if History is a little bit different. We're talking about Toledo differently. If they're better than NIU, if they're a good team right now, which clearly they're not, and they're like, yeah, we always have like the best talent. We always have the best coaches. Blah blah blah. We should always be in this position. You know, it's just not that big of a deal. But for NIU as a team, like we can say, hey, it's actually possible to put on a team of like you know mostly freshmen and take on the Coastal Carolinas of the world. Not that like Coastal Carolina is historically great. But last year, the whole nation was riding for Coastal. Mm-hmm. And NIU needs to pull off wins like these to go on to play better bowl games later on. You know, and just like stuff like that. So, sure. Um, yeah, that, that, I think that's about it for me on the bowl game, though. Uh, NIU, love you guys. You deserve so much more. At least you deserve to play that one, that one down. That's all you deserve. Everything else is earned. Uh, we got more bowl games coming up. We're not going to talk about them right now. Uh, we already spent like 30 minutes on these ones. Jesus Christ, that's like 30 minutes more than I thought we were going to do, but that's good. Uh, signing day happened. Early signing period already started. It will close up pretty soon, and then we'll uh, do it again in February. But so far, as we're looking at signing day, uh, you know, some schools have signed a lot of players. Some schools have not. Usually at this time, we're like, oh, we're like, 22, 25 signees in. We're like 90% filled up. Oh, look at you, other Mac school with only three schools. Wow, it's probably because you're going through a coaching change. Um, it's The times are different with the transfer portal moving NCAA athletes around more smoothly, more immediately than before, so which means there's not as many guys that have to go the JUCO route. Yet some schools still go the JUCO route with building their signing day classes. Uh, I kind of wrote things out in a quick little table for you and I to look at, Caleb, um, just so you can kind of look at how teams are building up their rosters so far this winter. Uh, Is there anything about this chart that stands out to you? I'm going to start really quickly by saying that in doing this, I'm uh, in doing this. I wrote down that Kent State is losing 37 seniors, and I saw that over a quarter of its roster was in grad school this past year. That's an insane amount. It's an insane amount of its roster to just like turn over. Yeah. I mean, so many guys came back for Kent state this last year. It was very much a, like one of the discussion points that I remember talking about last year of just how many seniors will be back and taking their extra year mm-hmm. and doing extra schooling in order to come back and try and win a Mac title. And, you know, they're in position too. So 
they kind of got the situation they were looking for. And uh, now it'll be more interesting to see. Yeah, it sounds well and it. good in the preseason, but now it's like, oh, shit. Sure. I mean, Ball State, too, right? So uh, Yeah, 33. Yeah, I mean, Ball State just in the sense that <laughs> we're like, we're all coming back, baby. It's time to win the ship. And then uh, underperform. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be more interesting looking into Kent State if it's more like, does Sean Lewis have like the crew that he really wants now and things will keep, will stay up and they won't have a drop off or is it going to be hard for them to replicate the success because they don't have as much returning talent? Like I know Cephas was like their one, but you'd ideally in an offense like theirs like to have somebody even more explosive, more big time. But I mean, you still got the Cooper coming, Marquez Cooper coming back. Right. Um, I don't know about any other big transfers or anything like that, but they'll still have some important linemen coming back. They still have some defenders that are, that were decent for them coming back, but have to be better still. Um, but they got, they did turn over teams a lot more this year. So that worked out for them in a better way. And uh, they, there's a reason to really be excited. I don't know much about their signing class, but uh, at least for, they, they seem to go very much heavily the high school recruiting route. And mm-hmm. you want that for Kent state, given the area of the state of Ohio that they're at, I haven't really looked to see where those guys are from, but I'm sure they're looking at next year as the chance for a lot of guys to prove themselves again. And uh, they're not really relying on the guys who are going to be like fifth years, six years and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I only have one name I'm going to throw out for Kent state just so you can like Google him later and look up his huddle clip. Gavin Garcia. Uh, really, really fun running back to watch. I've only watched him like twice on clips, and it was pretty good. Uh, but yeah, they only have one transfer coming in right now, and it's an offensive lineman coming in from Michigan. Uh, but he's originally from uh, Archbishop Hoban High School, so okay. uh, local kid. Um, as far as transfers go, so a lot of these schools, I thought we were going to have a lot more transfers, like a lot more balance of you know high school signees and transfers. But we're probably going to have to wait and see how the next few months shape up. I mean, there's so yeah. like there's a historic amount of kids moving around via transfer, whether it's JUCO, whether it's the yeah. transfer portal. Like, this we'll is going to be a long game. We'll see more in spring ball, too, as we tend to now. Yeah. Uh, but for now, you know, Ball State's got – Akron has zero signees. Akron only has commits because of, you know, Joe Moorhead. He's still building out, you know, his roster. I saw that yesterday he finally brought in a defensive coordinator – um, so mm-hmm. things are things are still very early for Akron and getting them, but he still right now has a couple of transfers uh, committed to the program. Ball State's losing a bunch of people. They have 16 high school signees. That's all of them. They don't have any transfers yet. Bowling Green doesn't have any transfers yet coming in. They have 12 signees. Buffalo has 10 high school signees, three from the JUCO. Uh, since, since we're talking about JUCO, I'm just going to skip to Ohio. They have 10 signees and six of them are from JUCO. Uh, the, one, ha- they, the, the one they have gone they, have JUCO heavy? Yeah, they, yeah, they've gone JUCO heavy before. Uh, but they're keeping that going. They're like one of the few schools that's like really keeping up with that. Like Ohio has six JUCO transfers coming in. Buffalo has three. And Western has two. Uh, Ohio's is kind of like dispersed all around. But like the quarterback that they signed is a, is a freshman, also from Canada. So they like to keep that going. Ohio's I love the not, Canada. Ohio's not breaking away from the way that they've liked to recruit before either. Like mm-hmm. a lot of these schools, like across the Mac, across the country, sometimes they'll bring in JUCO. It depends on like their immediate needs, this, that, and the other. 
Um, and that math is still changing, right? That's the kind of that's the point I kind of want to like break home to you right now. But Ohio is not really changing the way it's bringing in its December signees. Like it's still going very heavy on the JUCO route across multiple positions, not really relying on the transfer portal yet. I think last year, I'm trying to think of like how many players they really brought in. They had the one offensive lineman from Virginia Tech, but I can't really think of, oh, the the quarterback, Doi, uh, from UNLV. But outside of that, there's not too many players that Ohio's tried to get from the transfer portal. I don't know if it's like not very easy or possible to get players, whether they're already like looking for a second or third home in college football to Athens, Ohio or not. Um, but they're still relying on the guys that get their uh, their JUCO experience in Kansas and whatnot, Mississippi, whatever. Uh, not so many of the high school signees. But again, they only have like 14 spots to, to fill out because they have seven or uh, 14 seniors and seven transfers uh, going out. So definitely going to be a long game for Ohio. Yeah, and I think think that Ohio stands a very good chance of being an outward transferring program as well after this next season, because like people will figure out like, okay, do I fit into this system that Alvin wants? And uh, they'll keep things similar in a lot of ways, but maybe like the coaching's a little bit different. So they're looking for things differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say that the transfer portal is one way to try to fix immediate need, obviously, but, um, if this is how bad Ohio football is going to look and they're going to focus on transfers to fix things immediately, I don't see where they think they're going to make a big step forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to really be too optimistic about what they're trying to do right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd really have to hit a home run on a couple of those transfers to make a big difference this year. Uh, maybe the East is down and they stand a chance to win some games. I don't really know. Um, Rourke's development and a couple of the defenders' development was enough to be excited about, and then they lose some big transfers. So, trying not to get too doom and gloom about Ohio football, but I've kind of felt this way since Solich retired. So, yeah, <laughs> um, it is interesting that Ohio is now very much like the transfer school of the MAC, and they were already transfer heavy. Yeah. So, yeah, especially on the JUCO front. I mean, NIU right now, like, they're a very young team, so I wouldn't expect them to bring in too many high school signees. Right now they're at 12 prep signees, and they have five guys coming in via transfer um, across, like, other – Yeah, from, like, Wisconsin to Arkansas Pine Bluff. Yeah. Uh, NIU's got to get older a little bit in that regard, too, so I wouldn't expect them to bring in too many high school guys. But probably I, the best player that they have is an Alvarado. Not because I've seen, him, <laughs> seen any tape on him, but, like, I just, you know – Something about him. Sure. No, the uh, NIU hammock does like to talk about how he's like, we like to evaluate our own players and we recruit our own players and we want to get kids that fit, fit our needs and fit the style. And, but they, every year they're going to pick up defensive players and like a few offensive players in the transfer portal and Mm -hmm. players who've already established themselves or players who have high potential and can fit an immediate need. So NIU is going to continue to do that. It's very obvious that it like helps them like rat between Rakovich and Lombardi and uh, uh, let's see. I mean, Tyrese Ritchie, which came, which came from Juco, right? I don't even remember anymore. Honestly. Uh, some I, defensive I believe players. Juco yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're going to keep doing it. And I use going to do it to fill needs, but they're not going to go 
across the board juco or across the board transfer it's just going to be a handful here and there that could mm-hmm. make an immediate difference um because they're recruiting who they kind of need to to form the the foundation of what they do mm-hmm. um but i don't know outside of that you look at like i don't like i think uh buffalo has a few juco transfers right and so yeah they got three um I mean, link, uh, linguist, uh, or linguist, right? Linguist, yeah. Uh, probably wants to see a few things different, you know, fit, to more fit his style and more what they want to do. Ten prep transfers, and that's kind of like on the lower end in terms of some of the Mac. Like, obviously, EMU and Ohio have fewer, but, like, still most of the teams have 12, 13, 14. So, uh, I guess I'm not sure what Buffalo's trying to do just yet. If I looked harder at the types of players they were going after, it'd be more obvious. Then you've got like, you've got like NIU. It's very obvious what they're going for. They're like, we don't have enough good wide receivers in our wide receiver room. So we got to go out and get some, we have the running backs we need. So we literally did not sign a running back. Like it's very obvious what NIU is doing. Um, Akron, you know, they're still just trying to figure it out. We'll figure we'll have more of an idea in the coming months, what Akron's trying to do. Um, so that is more interesting to me. I think you've got, you think you're, you're right on the prospect of how are they trying to team build? Not so much, which players did they get is the more interesting aspect of all of this. Yeah. And like, like I don't, again, I don't want to get caught up in like recruiting rankings too much cause they're not, you know, when you're talking about high level recruits, if you're trying to talk about like how far is say West Virginia to Michigan in terms of like the talent spectrum, then you can kind of get into the weeds of everything. But, like, we're talking about, like, three stars, two stars, and we're talking about four-year, five-year adventures here. Like, recruiting rankings, it's not it's not the best thing to talk about when it comes to MAC recruiting, I don't believe. And it is about, like, you know, getting those immediate needs from the transfer portal or JUCOs or whatever. You know, finding guys that only have one year of eligibility. Let's put them, you know, at this struggling, like, linebacker spot where we desperately need them. Uh or, or whatever, like, oh, you're you're an offensive lineman from uh, from Butte College. Okay, well, and you have three years of eligibility? Hell yeah, like, you're going to be probably our center, man. Um, but one thing I've noticed about the, like, the recruiting rankings and whatnot is that they're pretty high. Like, the rankings of these are pretty high. It's be- I think a lot of it is a few things, like, the limited signing classes, like, colleges are a little bit more selective of, like, who they want to get, which you know, high school athletes are going to go after such forth. Um, and which is like, like Eastern has like per player, like the best average of, you know, players ranked that they're getting right now. And they only have five high school signees right now, as opposed to like other West teams, Toledo has 13, Western has 11, NIU has 12, you know, but they also were very picky about which transfers they were going to get. They got a couple of linebackers because they need, immediate needs there one's good at stopping the run another is a pretty interesting get uh he's a coverage linebacker which you don't really see that like i was kind of expecting like if you're going for coverage like get like a i don't know a two down safety or something like that but no they got like a two down linebacker which is pretty impressive but um ohio though they're i don't know like like why I, I I just don't I don't know like what level of athlete Ohio's getting right now. And that's just something that that's kind of bothering me right now. Like they're I'm looking at 24/7 sports right now like they don't have too many signees, right? They only have 4. 
but they're not even on 24-7 sports, like, recruiting team rankings list. Like, none of their signees are even on their database, whereas Eastern Michigan only has five signees, and they have the top average in the MAC per player. Just a little bit concerning there. Um, I don't know what it's going to take for Ohio to get, you know, good players in. Like, if they're not getting enough good transfers in, and if they're not getting enough good high school signees in, I don't know what the long term of Ohio is going to look like here. Yeah, who are they getting in exactly? Who's supposed to be where the who are the playmakers? What are they getting? I don't I very much don't get what the identity of this team is uh, or what they're going for. Under Solich even sometimes I think under Solich like it was like it was just we want to run the ball and we want to be like a fundamentally sound team that plays the game the right way or whatever. Um, and I'm sure in some ways like Albin and the staff want to be like similar. But I, I, I have no idea what they're trying to be. Like, I think more than anything in football, you have to have an identity. You have to be, you have to aspire to something, right? It's mm-hmm. not just we want to win football games. We're going to do whatever we can to win football games. Like, you might think like NIU's like that, but they're not. They they're more they're a little bit more. There's a little more to it than just we find ways to win football games. Um, with Ohio, I mean, you're in a you're a little bit off the beaten path in terms of where you are regionally just because you're not in the hotbeds of recruiting in those areas. Mm-hmm. And you bring, you've brought some really high caliber athletes there in recent years to play the skill positions and they don't have as many of those guys as they usually do. So the offense isn't really explosive now and it's not built to be explosive. Um, it's not built to grind you down there. They lose to Montre Tuggle. who's going to go pro. Um, so there's your main playmaker. And defensively, they've got a few guys that can play, but across the board, the defense isn't like really impressive or anything. So yeah, between seniors and transfers, they're losing, and this is just my count: twenty-one guys. So, I mean, I'm looking at the Ohio football signing class now, and um, so it was what ten? You had the six transfers and the four. Four prep High signees, school. yep. And one of, yeah, like one's a kicker, one's a quarterback from Canada. It's yeah. always important to say that. The only thing that is consistent about the identity of their recruiting classes is that they go for the same areas. Mm-hmm. Like they would go they would go to like Oklahoma, Nebraska for like quarterbacks yep. and running backs. Mm-hmm. And they would go to like Florida for like uh defensive backs and wide receivers, and they would consistently do that and they'd grab some like Cleveland area wide receivers and stuff. Like they would pick the same position, or they'd pick position players from the same groups, and just rely on those areas. And if they don't hit on those, because they were looking for like area and region, it felt like at least that if they didn't hit on the areas of the country they were looking for with the right players, they just would have a bad position group in that class, because they're relying on like almost like the region of the country to produce a player that fits their team more than the identity of the player. Maybe that's not a fair assessment. That's how I see it. Um, and I probably could go on and on about this without, I mean, I just, it's, it's hard for me to speak details cause I don't spend as much time on recruiting stuff, but just the, the from the outside perspective, look, I just, I don't, I'm good at, I really don't. I just think if there's a positive takeaway to have, if you're Ohio, maybe, I don't know, maybe, uh, I think it's a, a future potential idea for like Ohio to spin itself as like, we are the Juco school. 
we are not only the JUCO school, but like the JUCO school of the Mac too. Yeah. And trying to like, trying to like brand yourself twofold. Like we are the Mac and we are the JUCO school. So we are the team of- that we're, yeah, we're the school that gives, like we're the school that gives opportunities to the guys who prove them they deserve it. That'd be mm-hmm. one thing. Yeah. Like guys who need their second chance or guys who didn't get their chance before. And Ohio is the program where you can prove your worth, prove that you always belong. Like I could get that. Yeah. Like, but it, the you, rest of the world you need is- to embrace that. You need to embrace that though. It can't just be like in the background. Yeah. And like embrace that, like the rest of the world has like, you know, going, gone to the transfer portal and like is trying to keep up with the times and, you know, good for them and stuff, but we're still Ohio and we still like these Juco guys. Cause for whatever reason, it still fits our mold. Like, but, let me ask you a question. Aside from NIU, who in the conference does a good job of espousing what they're about? Um, Eastern, I think. I think you're right, yeah. I think... I mean, Kent State. Kent State's pretty obvious. And, like, the guys that they've gone after, like, you don't have to, like, get too deep in the weeds. You don't have to go to every fucking camp in the world to, like, you know, evaluate all these players. If you just like watch these players for a hot second, you can see the identity that Kent State's been trying to mold over the past few years and see that Mm -hmm. the players that they've signed these past few signing classes definitely fit what Sean Lewis wants Kent State to look like. So I think that, I mean, Miami is like the only private school in here. So the fact that they can only recruit a certain way, which is going after like you know, the kids in Kentucky and Ohio that go to the private schools and can like meet our standards, this and the other, mm-hmm. you know, they're not as free to hit the transfer market like these other schools. So everything's kind of even keeled there. It's not like they have to say anything. Like, yeah. They, I did want to, I did want to know what you thought of Miami's class because they obviously, they went really high on preps as well. Um, did uh, not so much did anybody impress you, but did you like the class that they got? From uh, what you saw? Yeah. Again, like I, th- this is a, this is another class I didn't pay too much attention to. I know that like, you know, the, the recruiting rankings like them. Yeah. Uh, they got some Michigan kids that's way up there. The fourth ranked recruit is from Roseville, Michigan. So I uh, love seeing that. Uh, let's see. But there's not a lot of Michigan propaganda to have here otherwise. So it's okay. <laughs> it could be better. Uh, Caleb, it is that time of year, though. It's yes. your favorite time of year. It's the holidays. Sure. Okay. What do you What do you want this holiday season? How are you going to be spending it? Or how are you going to be celebrating it? Who are you going to be celebrating it with? What did you buy me? Fuck everything I just asked you. What are you going to buy me? I haven't bought you anything yet, but I'm probably going to get some stickers to send you. <laughs> Isn't that what I did last year? <laughs> I do. I, I do still have them. I have yeah. a couple unused that I, I don't know what I want to put them on. Uh, but my favorite one that you got me was... I'm the trash man with Frank Reynolds. <laughs> so good. So didn't good. I you, didn't I get you a shutdown full cast sticker too? Uh, yes. Yeah. Sack time. Yeah. The, uh, I didn't go as hard on the gifts this year. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. Like I just, it just didn't register with me because I've been doing 50 fucking things and I can't keep my mind straight on anything. Uh, so like last year I did stuff for like 10 of my buddies and then for family and all that. And this year, I'm just like, I'm just going to focus on family. I'm not going to worry about anything else. Um, if anything, I'll probably make playlists for my friends if I find the time to do it. I like that. Um, you made me a playlist once. I like that. Yeah. Oh, well, I've made you like three playlists, my friend. This is true. Um, I, uh, 
have to do my year-end songs and albums playlist. So if anybody's that much into music, they should check it out. Uh, I do a top 100 songs and top 35 albums uh, list. I've done that the last two years, and this is my third year doing it. Um, so anybody who just needs new tunes. Nothing makes me happier than knowing that I introduce people to new music. So that's why I constantly make playlists for people. People be like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for doing the time to do that. You really didn't have to. I'm like, you do not understand. This is what brings me joy. This is legitimately one of my one of the things I enjoy most in life is introducing people to new music. So it like it is very much out of my own selfish need. I need to introduce people to new music. It makes me happy. So I will be doing a lot of that during the holidays. I uh, went to a holiday party already with family. Um, ate a lot of food. Very stuffed from that. Still, uh, that I still very much feel full from eating all day yesterday. Mm. Um, I'll probably dig into my parents' liquor cabinet for the next few days. Yeah. Just being drunken, yeah, in a drunken stupor. A drunken stupor of watching football, writing about basketball, uh, listening to music albums and ranking those, and uh, playing with all the doggies and cats. And uh, um, we might hang with the grandparents, and then I think that should be it for the holidays. What about your caroling? You know, where, how are you going to spread some fucking joy without any of the caroling? The caroling will be done on my couch, three glasses into Jack Daniels, and singing. Uh, I don't know yet. It's I did my sister. On a Saturday. Oh my God! No, um, I will say I will add for the sake of for the music aspect of things. My uh, my sister and I went to a uh, uh, antique store, very cool antique store with a lot of really unique stuff, and I bought a bunch of gifts there. And one of the things I I, I was looking through records, my sister goes, "Did you get my gift?" I'm like, "Yes, I got your gift." And she goes, "Okay, you go get my gift for you." And I'm like, "What?" She's like, "Just go find something, and I'll pay for it." And I'm like, "Okay." So we went back to the records part of the store, bought a couple, or grabbed a couple Stevie Wonder records, uh, Gordon Lightfoot, uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Otis Redding. Um, what else was there? This is all like twelve dollars. You spilled, baby. You spilled. For like all these records, it was like twelve dollars. And then uh, what was the other one? Like um, uh, Carly Simon, and all of this was like twelve dollars. And I'm like, oh my fucking made out. These are all big old LP along or big records. So. I'm, I'm fucking set, man. I also bought a Steely Dan Asia, which is like the most internet memed album, like old album, easy listening album of the 70s <laughs> for some reason. Mm -hmm. For some reason, there's like this whole brand of internet humor that's just about how much people love Steely Dan <clears throat> and like how much like millennials love old Steely Dan for some reason. Um, but they're right because it very much bangs. It's a very great, oh yeah, cool, chill album. Asia, you know? So I'm very stoked about this uh, this year holiday season. It's it's been a good one so far. Are you doing any white elephants? Because I'm doing one. Not not currently in the plans. So I didn't want to do a white elephant thing at work, but you know I got suckered into it. I'm like, you know what? You keep asking me. It seems like a fun idea. Why not? Um, one of I don't know. We haven't done our drawing yet. One of my coworkers though is a wrestler. Like top rope <laughs> hits you with the chair. <laughs> does some like crazy shit right buy him a trash can lid hey he has uh there's like a t-shirt company that like works with him and whatnot and there's like a like he has his own brand and all that stuff so like he has his own t-shirt whoever i draw will be getting a shirt of this guy <laughs> <laughs> good for camaraderie right <laughs> so uh that's that's the extent of my christmas plans uh, I'm gonna buy someone a shirt of a wrestler that uh, that they work with, and I don't know who's gonna get the shirt. I just know what the shirt is. That's how I do my Christmas thing. 
that and I'm not doing too many presents this year uh, in terms of the buying and the wrapping and the gifting and the, uh, the spending money like that. I'm making food. I'm, I'm making, making food. Hey, I'm making grub. Hey. I'm practicing uh, some like apple straws right now and banana chips. So doing that, there's like a, there's only such like a shelf life that these things have. So I have to like make sure that the way I want to do them is the way I want to do them and the way I like them. And by the time right. that we give them over to uh, the family on Christmas Day, they'll enjoy them and they'll be yummy and they'll last until... I don't know, the 30th. Yeah. I don't buy presents. I don't buy presents that last. Caleb, you know what you know what else I want from you? Uh smile. I do want you to smile. No. I uh I just want you to if anybody's listening to this at this point, one, thank you. Two, uh we're both thankful for you. Uh, three, we'll probably talk again next week. If not, don't get sad about it. Uh, before, Caleb, uh, thank you for doing all this with me. Uh, I know that we do this a lot in different formats, but I would like to say, again, now that's the holidays, I'm grateful for you. And I think that, you know, it's fun to do this with a friend like you. And yeah, let's let's keep this thing going. Let's keep the let's keep the uh, the listeners engaged though every once in a while. Yeah, I love your big stupid face. <laughs> it's not big. <laughs> My face is tiny. I love your stupid tiny big face. My tiny big face. Big mouth. <sighs> I'm going through changes. Do you know what I think of you know what I think of the things that come out of your mouth sometimes. Do you know what I think? What? That's what I think. And boom goes the dynamite. Bye bye.